You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins and Professor Trent Nichols are here with me, and we are trying to make sense of college basketball in 2017-2018. I haven't figured it out, and... uh, We'll try to get to the bottom of it today. We will also talk a little Winter Olympics. And uh, I'm wanting to to know, guys, if the Las Vegas Golden Knights, what's the where's the pinnacle for these guys? Where are they at? You know, from a historical context, how do they stack up against uh, other expansion teams throughout the history of major American sports? I want to I want to peel that back a little bit. Okay. And uh, I don't know what else we'll talk about. Maybe a little baseball. You want to start it off with baseball, Brandon? Yeah, let's go ahead and start there. I'm thrilled. <laughs> All right, so last week we, uh, we we talked about the allegations of collusion against the owners in Major League Baseball as it applied to the free agent class this year and all these guys that were sitting around, first of all, sitting at the house and then at the top secret spring training camp down in Florida. <laughs> this is pretty wild. Those guys, you know, weren't even allowed to get access into the facility. They've got the players living on campus at IMG so that you don't even know who's coming in and out of the facility. This is bananas. This is like a CAI or a CIA black ops thing, Trent. What, what do you what do you make of it? It's I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, just going from this to what they're doing, who's sneaking in, who's sneaking out, these right. guys going. But you know what? For somebody, it paid off. Yeah, I mean, Eric Hosmer broke off the reservation. You know, I wonder if he had to, you know, sneak out the, the gate, <laughs> climb the fence. Did they airlift him out? I don't know. But he gets $144 million over eight <laughs> years with the Padres. And it's a contract, frankly, that I'm scratching my head over. First base didn't appear to be a need for the Padres. The Padres are probably a team that's a couple years away from contention. And at some point, A.J. Preller decided, this is a guy, the time is now. I don't know what this move means. You're looking at a guy in Eric Hosmer who has had a nice career up to this point. He's a 284 lifetime hitter. Um, has hit 20 home runs a couple, a couple times. Now he goes to Petco. I think the fact that he's a line drive hitter translates there, but you're talking about a guy that's probably not in the top half of first baseman in the National League. I can think of half a dozen right off the top of my head that he doesn't even stack up to, and $21 million a year is still $21 million a year, regardless of you know what that contract looks like four or five years from now, and that's the justifications being used is, well, it's going to be a good contract when you look – and it's four years old, 21 million will be a bargain. Brother, it's 2018. 21 million is not a bargain for anything. (laughs) 
I mean, it was – if you're going to try to get the money back in, I guess he's the, the lead dog, but it's a, that's a whole lot of money that even if – the San Diego has the history of kind of being that team that they're the sellers, right? Yeah. They're gonna, at the trade deadline, they're going to sell it off. So now who are they going to sell this off to? Well, the other piece of that contract, there's a three-year no-trade clause yeah. in there. Full no trade. Um, so they are stuck with Hosmer for better or for worse. And to me, he is a small component of a championship-level team. Mm-hmm. This is not a guy you build around. And now that you're in on him for $21 million, they do have some kids coming through the pipeline. I just don't know if this is a cornerstone-type guy, but you're definitely paying him cornerstone-type money. Yeah. So well, I, I guess – Scott Boris doesn't have anything to cry about for the next couple days. Hmm. And I don't think that this is, you know, somebody pulling their thumb out of the dike here and the floodwaters come rushing in. I think this is a bad deal all the way around. I think it's a bad deal, but if you look at it, bringing him into that locker room with the young talent, some experience winning under his belt, being a part of the uh, the Royals when they were good. I mean, there's some pluses to San Diego. Would I pay that much? No. I mean, well, again, I want to take a look at the tax implications yet. as well, because the the word on the street is that Kansas City Ned Yost gave him a similar contract, and he turned it down to go to San Diego. He may want to check with his accountant. I'm not a hundred percent certain what the uh, tax laws look like in Missouri, but I'm pretty sure that it's a better climate than it is in California. Well, so we were talking I hope he's about, got plenty of shelter for that. We were talking about this outside. I'm, it's pretty clear that I represent the casual baseball fan in this room. Although I did go to a baseball game this weekend, uh, went to see the Salamanders play. When they share a complex with my kid's soccer team, and I snuck over there I, through the gate, didn't pay. It's a beautiful and park there in Holly Springs. It is huh? cool, but the, you know the infield, the dirt part is turf, which is really weird. I don't know how you slide on that, but anyway. We're talking about outside how a casual fan such as myself that find I find regular season baseball way too many more games than there should be and kind of frankly boring to see those numbers is yet another reason why I don't don't want to take in a baseball game. It just doesn't compute. You you know, for me, I'd rather pay the running back that runs for almost 2,000 yards with a bunch of touchdowns, that much money because he's doing something somewhat exciting and it's a bit bigger feat than standing over there on first base, catching a couple of balls, and then heading to the dugout. So that's, that's my fair assessment. Sense. And that's why if you're listening at home and you have a young athletic child, have them play baseball. In yeah. fact, more specifically, teach them to be a catcher. Right. Because catchers are the uh, – that skill set has died in America. And uh, it's probably the quickest route to become a frontline major – or frontline professional athlete in America is to become a catcher. A little tough on Just the saying. knees, though, right? Well, you know, if you're going to give me $21 bucks a year, I'll donate my knees. You can put robot knees in me. I'll be fine. <laughs> you don't – I thought you already had robot knees. <laughs> no. I don't have robot knees, but it would be a whole lot cooler if I did. So let's pivot off of baseball so that you you don't have a stroke over there. I'm fine. You're, you're good? So yeah. we can do a little bit more baseball? Yeah, go for it. 
All right. I'm sure there's a couple of people out there listening that like baseball. Trent, I want to talk about this Yankees lineup a little bit. The Yankees okay. went out and got Giancarlo Stanton and have added that to a lineup with Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez. Is Have you ever seen anything like this where, where arguably the best two power hitters – in baseball or in the middle in the middle of the same lineup, uh, only during the home run derby, right? <laughs> I this mean, is crazy. You got to think back. I and I don't think a Rod in his time early on in uh, when he was with Seattle with him and Griffey Jr. I don't know if a Rod I mean, was you there got yet. Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla. That's a good one. They were pretty good power hitters back in the day. And I think if you want to pluck, obviously, if you get back into the Yankees in the 20s, 30s, you know, there. And then perhaps Maris Mantle, although Maris outside of his, you know, magical run to to 61, isn't really a guy you look at and you're like, hey, he was the greatest power hitter. The Mets end up getting lucky with Daryl Strawberry. They had Howard Johnson pop off for some home runs and Kevin McReynolds were pretty good. But it's not the caliber. Forgotten guys. Not of the caliber that you would see Judge, who is still kind of young, so we don't know how he'll develop, but, I mean, he's a beast. So let me ask you this. Would it? What would surprise you more, or what do you expect? Do you expect Stanton and Judge to hit 60 home runs apiece or 40 or less? Okay, what I expect is going to happen is that Stanton's not going to be able to play a complete season because that's been his M.O. most mm-hmm. of his career. So I think that you're going to lose him for at least a quarter of the season. Okay. Aaron Judge, I know I'm in the minority on this. I don't think has staying power. There just aren't very many guys that are that big with that big a swing that are able to do it year after year after year. But this I is only for next year. I, I got you. I think, I think good right-handed pitching is going to eat them alive. But didn't you really mention do. earlier this year because of what they've done to the strike zone that it could aid him? <clears throat> it could, but you look back, Aaron Judge is a guy that a couple of years ago when he came up to the Yankees was horrible. Mm-hmm. When you look back at his career in the minor leagues, this is a guy that struck out a lot and really struggled to put the bat on the ball. Yes, the strike zone is small. I get that. But at some point – you know, these guys, pitchers find a way to exploit them. And Aaron Judge's performance in the second half paled in comparison to his performance in the first half. And I think you'll see that trend. I don't think Aaron Judge is going to be a scrub. And he's a huge, imposing figure. But you're looking at a guy that is a, a, a mediocre defender at best, if right. you're being kind. Now you have Stanton that's a mediocre defender at best, if you're being kind. One of them can obviously DH. It'll probably be Stanton more than than Judge. I just don't know that outside of home runs, these guys bring much to the ball club. Well, I think the difference – there's a lot of differences, and nobody's going to feel bad about Barry Bonds for anything. But his plate discipline I know was like superior um, to most other players. And to me, it's almost like you're looking at a completely different game with this – Smaller strike zone, they can they don't have to have the same discipline as they used to. But I will say judge No, and, and that's a that's a great observation is that in this day and age where the strike zone is ever shrinking, yeah, plate discipline 
you don't have to you're you're not having to swing at anything unless it's essentially perfect. Right. Now at some point baseball is going to revert back some kind of way. You know, when you've got guys like Scooter Jeanette hitting 30 home runs, there's a problem. Right. So it will fix itself. It always does. You know, we don't enter eras and and have numbers that are way out of whack with historical uh performances for very long. It sort of evens itself out. And there are questions about the baseball and how they're wound and how hard they are and the rest of that. But at some point, pitchers figure it out and they equalize it. And that's just how it is. I still feel like you should put wild animals out in the outfield. I think it'd be great. (laughs) Trent loves that idea. Some natural predators. Some of the best liven up baseball commentary that you've ever had, live animals. But I think the big winner is the projected lineup. Garner... Leading off, Judge second, Stanton third. Sanchez, I think, is the big winner coming out of here. Sanchez, Sanchez. here's the thing with him, is you're getting production from a position that in today's climate doesn't normally give you a whole lot of offense. Mm-hmm. That's what makes Sanchez possibly the most valuable of those three guys because you've got so many catchers out there and outside of a you know just a couple – you're not getting a whole lot of offense, and you're get, anything you get is sort of a bonus. If you get a bona fide power hitter like Sanchez that can play behind the plate 120, 20, 130 times a year, that's bonus points. So Sanchez hitting in the cleanup spot, that's great. What's the rest of the lineup look like? So they have Sanchez batting fourth, and Greg Bird is projected to uh, bat fifth at uh, first base. Diddy Gargarius, 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 whatever his name is. That guy, too. Aaron Hicks, <laughs> uh, Torres, who is a young third baseman, and uh, or Torres, and then Torres. Well, Glaber Torres second. is the is the guy that they got in the Aroldis Chapman deal when yep. they sent the rental down to He's supposed to Chicago. Bat and at the time, a lot of people thought was the number one prospect in the entire major leagues. So they're going to see what they've got down there. I'm not blown away by this Yankee lineup. We'll talk a little bit less about that and a little bit more about some other things on the other side. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. I promised Brandon Atkins that this segment will get off of baseball. I need an answer to the question I asked at the top of the show. What's going on with college basketball this year? Every time that we think we've got anything figured out, it gets tipped on its ear. Yep. And uh, this week, this past week, was re- it was reminiscent of college football. And you know where they, where they give a Saturday a name after what happened. Well, I was – Armageddon Saturday. It was upset Saturday. It was, you know, end of the road Saturday, whatever the case might be. But everybody, 
And literally every team that we talked about last week as a potential Final Four team got trounced. Okay. In Ohio State's case, they lost two games. So what's going on? Well, the first and obvious answer is that there's no one big juggernaut team. Like, there's not one clear favorite, one or two clear favorites. And honestly, this just popped in my head. But I think part of it is basketball players everywhere have started to shoot the ball well. It's a great equalizer. Like, I mean, it used to be thunderous dunks was all the rage in the NBA. Now everybody wants to be like Steph Curry. And they actually practice jump shooting. Then you have the three-pointer. Then no one's safe. I mean, big leads with a big guy used to be spelled death back in the day. But um, that's only part of it. But I really do feel like – because one thing I'm trying to look and see if the games are bad, and I don't see a bad product. It's actually a pretty decent product on the court. There's just no big major – there's talented teams. Look at Kentucky. They have talent. There's Duke. They have a ton of talent. They're not blowing everybody's doors off like we you know, originally thought they would. Well, you say that there's not a dominant team out there. There's no juggernaut. There's some folks in the state of Virginia that might disagree with you. Right. Because as everybody else has continually stubbed their toe and can't seem to, you know, get any consistency going on, Virginia just keeps plodding along. The problem is, is that Virginia is almost painful to watch play basketball. And Robert Bricky, I don't mean to put him on blast, has called it a garbage offense. I tend to agree. And not garbage in that it's uh my way of looking at it is not that it's just garbage because it's different and it's something people aren't used to. It's garbage because I hate to watch it. Well, and I people hate. need to get off of Tony Bennett too because he's a darn good coach. You know, if Dean Smith, if Dean Smith was doing this right now, they'd be going, "Oh, he's revolutionizing the game right I, here." I you don't know, know that like they would. The, I mean, because Dean Smith, you know, the four corners was his thing, and that was a garbage offense yep. in terms of watching it. So you get my point, though. I do. And the thing with Tony Bennett, Tony Bennett's going to have to win a national championship. And when he does, and people kind of take in context the track record that he's built and what he's doing with that program out there, Virginia's a special program right now. Well, the difference between this Virginia team and those of past, and I think I've said this before, is they used to be good defensive teams with a controlled (coughs) offense. Now they have a controlled offense with a great defense to pair it with. And that's how they're winning all these games. But the problem goes back to what I just said earlier in this segment. You run into one hot team in the tournament, jump shooting team, they can erase a 10-point lead like that. And that's why I feel like they're potentially vulnerable once you get into the tournament. I agree with you because Virginia is not an offense that's ever going to blow anybody out. So they're going to play tight games. And at some point, playing tight games against good ball clubs, you're going to drop one that you shouldn't have lost, that you shouldn't have dropped. Like Virginia Tech. So in your I, building. Well, you know that's conference play, and it you know wouldn't have been any fun if they'd have run the table. I mean, frankly, you know how many teams go undefeated through ACC play, and that is their rivalry game. So it's it's easy to forgive that game. You know, it's it's the biggest game of the year for Virginia Tech, or one of the two. So it's easy to forgive, but you I mean, look at a Virginia team that's that's twenty three and two. If they get through the ACC tournament unscathed, they are an absolute lock 
to be the number one overall, overall seed. Yeah, I agree. Going in. And at this point, frankly, I think they're the only ACC team that has a chance to be a one seed, period. Is that fair, or does Duke have a chance to There's a chance. Up they in just there? got done beating Clemson. Well, so they're going to be. Uh, the, I want to talk about that just for a second. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that game. But how bizarre was it at this point in the season for Duke to come in with a lower ranking than Clemson into a conference game? Yeah. And of course, Duke handled their business, and that whole Clemson being ranked above Duke thing will end after one week. But big win for Duke after they've been sort of sputtering. Okay. I just saw the box score. I didn't actually watch the game because I was doing something else. But was Bagley out of that game again? Yes, third game. So that's the third game in a row. So they're so you doing guys it. Poo pooing his injury when they lost to UNC is kind of well. I mean, silly. I, I thought <laughs> it was just a it was you know to rest a knee at the time. But you know now he's missed three games. But this is what K does, man. Every year, this dude mid season he does something. That kind of goes against the grain, and it absolutely works every time. He's got finally gotten Grayson Allen. Maybe there's more room on the floor, and Bagley comes back. He fits back in. But um, and we were talking about Wendell Carter uh, Jr. I do think he's going to be a pro. I mean, not just a pro. He's going to be a high draft pick pro. Listen, and this is to Wendell Carter. If you're listening to this show, come back to Duke for at least one more year. Wendell Carter, when you look at his physical tools, if he comes back and continues to improve his footwork and his defense, Wendell Carter can be a transformational Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins type big man in the NBA. I believe that. If he leaves now, he is still so raw, he is going to languish on somebody's bench for a couple of years, and he may or may not ever make it. And let me rephrase that for you. Wendell. Just do whatever K tells you to do. Because K's direct line to the NBA is like none, no other that I've ever seen in my life. He can pick up the phone. He can get you drafted high. How many Duke players have been drafted way higher than they should have been? Like, I, I, mean, think they, I think they are, but I don't think that that necessarily applies when you're talking about lottery picks. I think there are some guys that have gone first round, you know, second that you look at and you're like, really? You know, if this guy played any place else – but I do think the overdrafting, if you're gonna if you're gonna say guys got overdrafted from Duke, it's easy to look at the big men in the last couple of years. Jaleel mm-hmm. uh, Okafor, in particular, was never going to translate to the NBA. What well, is Luke Kennard a lottery pick? Luke Kennard is actually one of the better rookies in this class. That's good. I mean, when you look at when you look at actual contributors from this class, Kennard's starting to get minutes. And if you watch him play, looking just like he did at Duke, doing the little things, he hits the three, plays good defense. Luke Kennard actually is going to turn out to be a good pick, I'm sure. And look at Malik Monk. You know, we were talking. I think if uh, if Charlotte had it to do over again, they'd be really happy to have Kennard in hey, there instead of Monk. Tim, can you run that tape? When I had Monk. Absolutely figured out. Can we go back there when I was telling everyone not to draft him in the I lottery? I don't remember him saying it that vehemently. Do you, Do you, Trent? Because I said at the time. He fell pretty far. He and did we all fall. thought that I, that was pretty lucky that Charlotte got that. And, and I actually came on here and said Charlotte really got hooked up here because he was the right fit. Now, I couldn't have been more wrong. And Malik Monk, I hope that he turns it around. I hope he, I hope he has a great pro career. 
But from what I've seen up to this point, Malik Monk is going to be a journeyman at best who will be a little bit offense off the bench. Malik Monk doesn't even look like he has any desire to play defense. He's even smaller than I thought he was coming out. And that's the part that really creates a problem because trying to play him at the two or the three, and he's a 6'3", probably. You don't you don't draft a one-way player who's streaky. I call him instant offense off the bench. That's fine. But you don't draft them as a lottery pick. No way. But, um, you know, Virginia could be in trouble. They could actually run into Kansas in the tournament. And as we know from the West Virginia game, you don't want that to happen, Chris. What happened in that game, brother? So Kansas was down at home to West Virginia. And Kansas coming into the game on Saturday was a game behind Texas Tech. Now, Texas Tech dropped a game to a very hot Baylor team. And I'm telling y'all, watch out for Baylor. That's a team that nobody's going to want to play in the tournament. And they look like they're they're pretty close to punching their ticket. Texas Tech goes down. Well, Kansas wasn't doing their part. Looked like they were going to lose to West Virginia at home. They were down by 10 in the second half. They were down by eight with four minutes to go. And they ended up pulling it out at the end. In a game in which Bob Huggins got ejected, and at the press conference, said he'd never seen anything like this. Right. Brandon, I've never seen anything like it. Was it 35 fouls to two? Is that what you said? Kansas, in this ballgame, shot 35 free throws. West Virginia shot two. Yeah. I'm going to say that one more time. Kansas shot 35 free throws, and West Virginia shot two. Two. Now, yes, West Virginia does play an aggressive style, full-court defense. They're going to pick up some fouls. But a 33-shot disparity? Come on, Big 12. Come that's on. A re- that's, every that referee associated liter- with that, every game official, everybody, even the score, everybody ought to be on notice. And honestly, Come on. it should be investigated. I mean, that's that just can't happen. It no, can't. I agree with you. It's like you got to try – for that to happen. And, you know, honestly, Huggy Bear, because of his past, he doesn't get a lot of the respect that a lot of the other, like, you know, you try doing that to K one time and see if you ever work a game in the NCAA. You're right. And Huggins, you know, is a guy that's pretty candid. You know, he doesn't have that type of, of pedigree where he can come out and, and, and wield that sort of power. But I guarantee you, had it happened to Bill Self and been on the, he'd been on the other end of it. Oh, yeah. It'd have been lights out. Oh, yeah. Big 12, get a handle on that. Everybody's looking at you. Kansas in jeopardy of not winning their 14th straight championship. They're in a, 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 a shootout with Texas Tech for this top spot. And in a home game, a 33-shot disparity. Come on, man. Was that Donaghy out there calling that game? It might have been, dude. But anyway, Kansas – Came into the week ranked 13th. Um, Kansas, j- grudgingly, I'll say that Joe Lenardi's the best when it comes to bracket numbers. Yeah, I think he's good. And he updates his stuff live. And if you look at it, he's got Kansas as a one seed. I'm not buying that. Uh-huh. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. I'm on a dance, I gotta sing, rocks on. All right, welcome back to the second half hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and we are live on video. <laughs> Black Betty is in the house. Oh, God. Yeah, taping the show, so uh, we'll see how this edit goes. Anyway, I, I you know, would have worn a different pair of pants, I think, <laughs> had I known I was going to be on TV today, but whatever. They're purple. I know. So you said earlier that you'd never seen a man wear purple jeans before. You should have some. Um, outside of Prince, no, I have not seen that. <laughs> well, that's good company as far as I'm concerned. But his were yeah. leather. I, you know, the, the leather were for, for concerts. I think sitting around the house, I'm sure that at some point Prince was rocking some purple blue jeans. I, I just said purple blue jeans, didn't I? <laughs> you know what? Purple jeans. I just went to, to the... <laughs> To the studio fridge to get a sun uh, sun drop diet sun drop pretty good, and it's funny the ratio of sodas and coffee drinks have shrunk, and the airplane <laughs> bottles have increased since we started the show. We take care of our guests here, don't we? Yeah, we do, and it just get that that inventory has grown exponentially in the last couple of weeks. There's an awful lot, which either means we're putting too much liquor in there or there's not enough getting drank during the show. Getting drank? Getting drank. I don't know. <laughs> Did anyway, you just, is that a Migos I, lyric? It should be, and it probably will be at some point. Getting I don't know. drank. Getting drank. MVP getting. of the uh, celebrity basketball game. Oh, yeah? yeah really? The, the One of the Migos guys. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Nice. Did you guys watch the uh, slam dunk contest? Mm-mm. No. How does that happen? When was it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I did watch it, and I almost watched it on accident. NBA, listen up. Put the dunk contest at halftime of the All-Star game. That is all. Does anybody have a problem with that? No. It would be better than the concert that they put on. In between, it <sighs> Queen the, Latifah, uh, Kevin Hart, Queen stuff Latifah in the beginning as part of the presentation. It was this bad. Weekend. Come on, the entertainment at the uh, All Star game. 
and the national anthem by Fergie. Brutal. What happened there? It was not good. She thought she was Marilyn Monroe, but couldn't sing, or I don't and know. She was oh. Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose were <sighs> relentless. Or it wasn't Jalen Rose. It was Chris Webber. Chris Webber and, and Reggie Miller. She was two thousand and late. <laughs> Yes. Is what I heard. <laughs> well, here's the th- here's I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a secret NBA. You are 100 percent reliant on kids as your audience right now. Grown folks don't care about the All Star game. Grown folks will care about the dunk contest when you put a format together that actually makes sense. Dennis Smith not being in the finals of the dunk contest was stupid, and not to take anything away from Donovan Mitchell because he was all right. He just didn't miss any dunks. The scoring is silly. And two rounds of dunks, four dunks per player, I didn't pay anything, but I still feel like I want my money back. So here's what I think they should do with the dunk contest. Let the players be coaches, lower the basket to around eight or nine feet, and have them coach the coaches on how to dunk. Can you? Wouldn't you love to see Popovich – do a backward slam? No. And have them going against each other? I think that would be just the best thing I've ever seen. No, but I have a goal in my in my driveway, right. and I'll be happy to lower that to eight feet, and we can have our own slam dunk time. Let's why, do that. Why don't they give you the ball, and you have to dunk it before they unleash a wild bobcat on you? There we go. To chase you to the thing. Yes. Wild animals. Or is that for okay. baseball only? And when did Kevin Hart become the official ambassador for the NBA? The He's NFL the- said, we don't want any part of you. Get yeah. off our <laughs> You're not getting on the podium. But then they can't help it, and they let him up onto the, the set for the post game, and he I don't still don't know what he's talking about. But the NBA's like all Kevin Hart all the time. Well, because okay. of his stature, well, I guess. his stature, you, you do realize it's funny that you say that because he and his child came out onto the floor as props. Yeah. To be jumped over. Yeah, during the dunk Dude, contest. It, look, if you want to impress me, jump over Dave Chappelle. Dave's at least a real-sized human being. Yeah, Kevin Hart. But if Hart, I was going to choose somebody to jump over, Kevin Hart's not very high on the list. I Kevin could Hart's, jump over Kevin Hart. Kevin He's Hart's, like 2'8". I kind of wish somebody would try to jump over Kevin Hart. Next year, they're going to bring the out face. the imp from Game of Thrones to dunk over. Dude. Kevin Kevin Hart's bite <laughs> bite size. Like you wouldn't even want that candy at Halloween. Like, nah, I'm good on this little miniature mounds. That's the house you'd go back and egg. Yeah. Oh, they gave me the Kevin's Kevin Hart size okay, candy bar. Spud oh, Webb and Muggsy Bones are this. like, hey Shorty, what up? Okay, <laughs> let me let me hit y'all with something deep here. I mean, we're having fun with this, but are we kind of spoiled? I mean, these athletes are some of the best on earth. These NBA athletes dunking the ball. Just think about the evolution of the game from like the 50s to now, from, you know, basically people dribbling around in circles like Bob Cousy to now what we're seeing above the rim. Okay, hold on. How can you make it much more? Just think about the dunks in the last 10 years. Wait a minute. Stop. You lost all of your credibility when you said before we came on, I didn't watch it. Let me tell you that one of the highlight dunks that won the contest was a reverse 360 windmill that Vince Carter had done before. And guess what? He did it better. Nobody's doing any dunks like Jordan did that, like, stop traffic. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. Larry Nance had a nice dunk during the finals. That's probably the dunk of the night where he tapped it off the backboard to himself and dunked it. But Larry Nance is like eight feet tall. Well, and you're also comparing him to Vince Carter, who's like no, probably compare, the best well, dunk Mitchell artist. had well, Carter's jersey on. Yes. Man, you got to give him credit. But here's the thing is, yeah, these athletes are this, but they're not doing anything those guys didn't do before. I'll tell you right now. If you're sitting at home and you're under the age of about 40 years old, you need to go to YouTube and watch Kenny Skywalker win the dunk contest. Because there isn't anybody doing anything like what Kenny Skywalker did. And he did it with and a that flat was top. 20 years ago and <laughs> did it with a high top fade, which is obviously the least aerodynamic haircut you could possibly do it with. So I'm not, these guys are not better dunkers than the guys but that came no, before. They showed the dunk. One of the dunks that Larry Nance Jr. did was exactly the same dunk well, his okay, daddy did. Well, that's, you're, making years my, ago. you're making my larger point, but let me rephrase it. We've, we've seen it all. <laughs> that's my point, is we've seen it all. What are they going to be, what are they going to do that we haven't already seen from this point on? These I guys play so you that far above the rim. There's a kid in a gym somewhere right now that's 18, 19 years old. What's he going to do? Give birth to a basketball and then dunk it? There's one. I mean, I haven't seen that before. <laughs> I want to see somebody eat a basketball, then go David Blaine style and throw it back up and then dunk the basketball. Greased watermelons. I want to see somebody dunk a greased watermelon. You could just grease the basketball. I did find out one interesting thing, and Dennis Smith had uh, Dennis Smith should have been in the finals of this dunk contest. And even at the end of the dunk contest, when it was all said and done, Donovan Mitchell won by one point. Here's the problem. If the guys at the table had had any sense, they would have had one person take one more point away so that there would have had to have been a playoff. And you would have had to go to overtime and get one more dunk out of Nance Jr. and Donovan Mitchell. And it was almost as if they were talking about it as they were doing the scores and they were like, nah, we got dinner reservations. Let's get on out of here. And I think everybody felt cheated in the end. And, now, and, and the, obvious missed, answer, though, the obvious answer is none of the stars want to participate. That's why people are just like, nah. You well, know? yes and no. I would venture to say that Victor Oladipo – and Donovan Mitchell are stars. Stars, not now, superstars. Not yet, but they're on their way. Victor Oladipo, you don't know this, walked over to the sideline in the first round of the dunk contest, and Chadwick Boseman was sitting in the was sitting courtside. Do you know who Chadwick Boseman is? Mm-hmm. So what do you think Victor Oladipo did? I have no idea. He got a Black Panther mask from Black Panther put it on, and dunked That's pretty in the dope. mask. It was dope. Okay, I've officially decided that I'm the only person on earth who has not seen that yet. It's pretty cool. Everybody's saying it's the best thing it, ever. It wasn't. Well, the I problem was he missed the first dunk. That was the problem. He came in and ultimately was really cool, but you have to like ignore the fact that the first time he, he tried it. He missed it with the Black Panther mask on? Yeah. I'd have a problem with that if well, I was he the did, Black and Panther. Then he got the ball back and <laughs> went back and dunked it, and it was pretty cool. It was pretty dope. And it's the showmanship. Now, Oladipo and Mitchell in particular, they did some cool stuff. Larry Nance, as part of his dunks in the first round, came out in the sweatsuit, and a la David Copperfield, they pulled up the little tube, and he 
they pulled it down, and there he is in an old school Phoenix Suns jersey wearing his dad's number. Nice. It was pretty cool. That is cool. But then everything was sort of a letdown, and part of it is the scoring. The scoring is stupid. Make it a real thing. You've turned it into figure skating. We talked earlier about how bad we hate games that you have to score and tell us why what we just saw is better than what we saw five minutes ago. And in this case, I think they missed it. Well, the scoring has always been lame. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you what they need to do. Put it at halftime in the All-Star game and let the All-Stars vote. Yeah. I don't need Mark Wahlberg to vote on this. I don't need DJ, DJ Khaled to judge this. Why don't you let, let the fans and vote? West, Why don't we tweet it in? I'm, tweeting probably takes a little bit too long, but I'm all for letting the fans vote right then and there. I mean, it's technology. Tim Kopas could take little Verizon devices out there and make that happen. Mm-hmm. I think he should be the official provider to the NBA and should sponsor that. And he should pay the bill for all those devices. <laughs> yes. 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 He seems to have uh, affirmed that he's willing to do that, NBA. But, yeah, something's got to give, man. Six knucklehead judges down there on the floor yucking it up. Right, come on, man. Just come on. Now, the All-Star game was interesting with this new format with the chosen teams. Um I don't think it made one difference to me one way or the other, whether it was East playing West or whether it was Steph's picks playing against LeBron's picks, but I think they're close to on to something. Chris Webber and Reggie Miller talked about it during the telecast. I'm all for what Reggie Miller proposed. Next year, don't announce the teams ahead of time. Bring your all-stars to center court and go old school. LeBron, you're a captain. Kevin Durant, you're a captain. Pick your teams now. Put jerseys on. Let's do this. I'm all for that. I think it'd be amazing. Anybody with me? Yeah, sure. Take it one step further. And what I proposed a couple weeks ago was instead of just two teams, have four teams, four captains. Pick your teams. We're going to play a 20 minute game. The winners will play in the championship. What do you think? I do. I like 3v3. I think that would be kind of cool. Like, I mean, I think that's the lull you get into with the 5v5 is, you know, nobody plays defense. I think it would be – not that you would all of a sudden play the best defense ever, but 3v3, a lot of room in the paint to make moves, dunk on each other. I think that would be cool. I think that there was a conversation between Steph and LeBron when this went down. They both sort of alluded to it, maybe even talked directly about it, that they felt like – there needed to be a little bit higher level of competition in the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. You know, last year when it was 190 points apiece, I think people were like, you've hit your tipping point. There To call it good defense is probably a little bit too much, but there was some defense going on. It was interesting. We'll come back and close this out for you guys listening on WDCC. you got one segment left. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? 
Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats. If you're listening on WBCC, you got one segment left, then follow us over to the worldwide interweb. Uh, you can find us on the iTunes podcast app at From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Cheap Seat Radio. We're having a good time. Everywhere we go. Libations. Libations. How much knowledge would people have gotten if they just sat in close proximity to our roundtable conversation at Libations last week? we probably could have charged admission and called it a TED Talk. It was (laughs) me, you, Jeff Towson, Ed Snyder, and honestly, people couldn't handle all the sports knowledge. They would be walking by and be like, oh, hold their head because that hurt so bad because the knowledge couldn't fit in there. They were trying. They would they would hover around our table and they thought they wanted to get into the conversation and then they were like, that's next level. They were I like, what am I going to add to I that? I just don't have anything to contribute. I don't. I do have to say that during that same conversation, our good friend Kevin Fushi was – he was in and out of the conversation. Yeah. He was like the guy at the Grammys. You know, they hire the, the the seat holders. That's who he was. It seemed like every time somebody got up to go to the bathroom, go get a beer, whatever the case might be, Kevin would plop down in there. And he would he would he would actually bring something to the table. Sometimes it was much to your chagrin because it was Atlanta Braves baseball. baseball. But other times it was, you know, pertinent to whatever. Braves we were baseball about. is Kevin's superpower. Oh, it is a superpower. I, I I hold him in the highest esteem, and it you know his knowledge is is one of those, um, you know what's in the case, Pulp Fiction type things. <laughs> That's Kevin Fushi's Braves knowledge. It is deep. It is. And that. as a guy impressed. that has that kind of knowledge, or or thinks that he has that kind of knowledge about the Reds, it's funny because Kevin and I can talk to one another in a foreign language that most of civilized world does not get. They don't understand what we're talking about. I feel like it's kind of like me trying to break in on a conversation with people from NASA. Yes. Like, <laughs> hey, guy, oh, yeah, let's talk about shuttle. <laughs> let's talk about the new shuttle that's going up to, you know, the moon and stuff. The moon? Dude, we're going to Mars. Oh, you're not one of these people that think that was staged up to the moon? No. I don't. <laughs> so, real quickly around the table, um, do you think there really was a lunar landing or was it staged? Brandon Atkins. I think there was. I think there you was. You think there was? <laughs> there was. You're not certain that there was? No, I know there was. 
I'm just playing. Anna Bernard, did they land on the moon or did they not? Yes. Trent Nichols, did they land on the moon or did they not? They landed on the moon. Okay. I'm glad that we have almost a consensus that, yes, there was a lunar landing and it was not a fraud perpetrated by NASA on the world. If you feel differently and you want to make your case that there was no lunar landing, please, 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 please do it on our Facebook page. I can't wait for that. I love the new people that came out of the uh, the woodwork, the flat earthers. This is a real thing, dude. So they've taken pictures from outer space of Earth. And guess what? (laughs) It's not flat. Not flat at all. It's actually round. No, apparently that's not true. And Kyrie Irving is responsible for this more than anybody else. But I thought when Kyrie Irving said this, I thought he was trolling the world and that he was just being funny in his ridiculousness. But if you head over to YouTube, the same YouTube, which is chock packed full of videos of our youth eating Tide Pods, there are children conducting quote unquote scientific experiments that prove that the earth is flat. Well, dude, here's the reason I know it's not flat because after Fergie's national anthem, millions of people would have jumped off the edge of earth if it was actually flat. I suppose any black eyed peas interviews at this point are out the window. Yeah. No, because even will I am was sitting at the house and was like, dog <laughs> that's why we broke up that's why you're not in a band can anymore. we edit her out of all of our oh. albums that's on, i feel no bad man. for curry man but honestly it's not flat the water would just float off the sides right that's no that's their point is that if you take a i actually saw this and this is a real thing there is a a, a young man conducting experiment and his proof that the word world is flat he takes an orange and he dumps a glass of water over top of it and all the water runs off of it as it would because it's a sphere. And he says that that's proof that the earth is flat because if it was flat, if it wasn't flat, there would be no puddles. Hmm. If it was round, all the water would just run off. Well, explain this to me. Hmm. Explain this to me, kid. I'm all about it. Kid, listen up real quick. How did Superman go back in time if the world was flat? That's right. If it was flat, he wouldn't be able to make it spin backwards. It'd just be flopping around. Dude, that kid needs to get. He, he needs, needs to, to get shut up and listen to what I got to say. Game together. Speaking of superheroes, and we already alluded to it, Black Panther Mask made an appearance in the Slam Dunk Contest. Have anybody? Has anybody besides me seen Black Panther? What? 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 No. Are you serious? I'm, you seen Black I'm gonna yet. take my uh, my oldest to go, but she's no, already they, seen it. She didn't want to go. She again. she wants to. She likes her dad. Okay. Okay. She, she wants to go see it with me. So I turned I, her on to Zombieland this weekend. She loves it. Nice. Nobody else has seen Black Panther then, so I can't talk about it without spoiling it, right? Yeah. All right. So it. I'm gonna tell you. This is this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I left it out of there. Me and the kids loved it. My wife is like seven and a half out of five, or out of ten. Seven and a half out of ten. Well, I, I'm like, what are you talking about? I did hear that it's the highest grossing opening in a February ever. That's pretty cool. Well, it's the highest grossing film there. ever. 
What, for an opening weekend? Or ever, ever, ever? Oh, I don't know. Out of something stupid like Titanic? Yeah. Is I'm it? Not sure. Star Wars? I don't know. She, there, was room, look it up. there was room on the raft. There was room on the I raft. <laughs> I know. It wasn't a well thought out. There was room on the raft. <laughs> it's thinning out the herd, man. Black Panther is a must-see movie. I have to tell you this. Uh, if for nothing else, just close your eyes and enjoy the soundtrack. That soundtrack is absolutely next level. Now, I do have to say that as I walked out of the movie theater, I was like, I think I've seen this movie before. I just can't put my finger on it. And there was a reason I couldn't put my finger on it in the short term, because it was actually two movies. Hmm. And when I got home, I was able to peel it apart, and I realized that I had seen this. And what Black Panther was was an amalgamation of Iron Man and Coming to America. Oh, wow. It's a great movie, folks. Go see it. Well, I've I can't seen coming tell you. To I America. wish I could tell you who the villain is, but I can't because it'll ruin the whole movie. Well, I've seen Coming to America, so I guess I don't have to watch Black Panther. I haven't seen Iron Man. <laughs> Did you? You just said you haven't seen Iron Man. None of them. Trent, no. remember all the times I've tried to give your seat away and fire you? Yeah. That may be grounds for termination. Well, now you're dead serious. You've never I've, seen any I've of the made Iron it Man five franchises. weeks in a row of getting fired. Four was there? Was I there, haven't seen Iron Man. Was there a McDowell's in the Black Panther? Yes. Oh, was there sweet. a barbershop scene? Yes. Wow. Was there any Eddie Murphy in drag? Yes. Hey, no, this, none this, of that happened. I'm, you know, speaking of, you're talking about Boris the agent earlier. Is he also? Uh, <laughs> Is Who he was also talking about Boris the agent? Scott it, Boris. Scott oh, Boris. I was thinking he was talking about it. I thought Borak. he was talking about it. <laughs> no, I thought you were talking about Bullwinkle is he, and Boris and Natasha. <laughs> is he working for Forrest Whitaker? Does Forrest Whitaker Dude. have to be in everything? Yes. Everything. Uh oh. Uh, yes, he does. Is Forrest Whitaker the uh, the villain? I cannot say. But Forrest Whitaker is definitely in the movie. I'm not going to tell you uh, anything about it because this guy will lose his mind. Brandon and I, you don't understand. Brandon and I talk more than my wife and I talk. So what's the it's a what's problem. the biggest spoil? It is why, a problem. So why won't you spoil it? Because you know what? A long time ago, we went and saw Seven when it came out in the theaters. And uh-huh. me and my buddy had seen The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. And my other friend hadn't seen it. And me and my buddy after the movie goes, I can't believe Kevin Spacey's the villain in Seven and the user. Oh. And we gave it away, and he was like, what? How could what he ta- do that? Yeah. So is that, that did is, you do something like that that yes. now you won't spoil it? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And I have a child at the house who is the worst movie spoiler of all time. And if he ever has a chance to see a movie before we do, it's going to get spoiled whether he means means it or not. But the seven is a perfect analogy. And I actually talked to somebody and they were like, yeah, man, seven was that great a movie. And it was a movie I only had to watch like twice. But that was the best part of it is you had no idea who the villain was. Kudos to Black Panther, the Marvel Universe and everybody else for not giving it away. I had no idea what I was walking into. That's one of the coolest parts of the movie. I might have to go see it. I like those kind of movies to try to figure it out. Now, I have heard some of the soundtrack. The soundtrack is silly. It's unbelievably good. The CGI in the movie is really good. They do get a little carried away with it. 
after at, at a couple of different points. But the movie is good. And here's the problem with most of these superhero franchises for the last few years is that every time they show up on screen, they're fighting against somebody that's going to destroy the entire universe. Dude, there's only so many entities, even in the Marvel Universe, that can destroy it. This one peels it back, and it's more the backstory of what Black Panther is, who it is, all the rest of it. It's really great. WDCC, follow us to the internet. WBLZ, we're plowing through. we got another hour to go, not the least of which includes your tease category for trivia this week. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Welcome back, everybody, to the second hour of From the Cheap Seats. And And we promised the second hour would be better than the first. And welcome back to Fraggle Rock again. Dude, do you know how much (laughs) I loved Fraggle Rock when I was a kid? That was some fun. Jim Henson was smoking some real peyote. They had little construction workers, and that's what Fraggles ate. Is there a construction? <laughs> I mean, smoking we some about, real good. Well, listen. Look, some good, good. When we were kids, when we were kids, we watched things like Fraggle Rock. What kids are watching now is things like the NBA. And the point that I was going to make earlier was I am in a particular chat group of NBA folks, and I like to sort of hover. I don't participate very often, but I just like to think what's in the kids' heads about who the best players are, who the best teams are, and things like that. And there was a healthy contingent of these young guys, and most of them are teenagers, early 20s, whatever. In the pregame for the All-Star game, Queen Latifah performed. And these kids were like, why is Queen Latifah rapping? Ooh, Ooh. ladies first, ladies first. And that's what I'm telling you. When the NBA missed this, there was nobody in America that's our age who was clamoring to see Queen Latifah come back on stage and spit rhymes. Mm -hmm. Were you? And you're like a hip-hop guy. She's actually, one of her albums is really good. I'm going to have to disagree if that's what you're saying. She... She can do it all. She's the five-tool player 
in rap and hip hop. <laughs> I've been looking. What he's, he's turning so into if you're a wondering, smurf. If you're wondering why we're laughing, Chris's pen just exploded <laughs> in his hands. And you know there is pins leaking, and then there is pins exploding. It's weird. This blue will be on my hand for a week. And that's exactly what I happens when no you doubt. talk trash about Queen Latifah. Apparently, Your pen explodes. My bad, Queen. Well, the, the ink is in the most awkward spots to wash. So, right? yes. I mean, this they're all in the crevices cool. behind his ring. I'm going to have to come to B-dubs and use some of the cleanser that you guys to get sauce off your hands because I'm sure that's like high-powered. No, we just use blazing. <laughs> okay. It burns it right off. <laughs> Dude, Speaking real, of which, real I talk. feel like I, I feel bad because I haven't been there recently to get wings. I gotta like make that happen. I have. It's been too long. Real talk. I got a real quick Queen Latifah story. A friend of mine who lives in Charlotte, he actually was at a nightclub in Raleigh and w- the same place where Queen Latifah was, and she was with some friends, and they bought her a round of drinks. And she nicely came over and said, hey, um, I don't know how she introduces herself. Like, I'm Queen Latifah. <laughs> I'm Queen. Um, said, listen, that was really nice, but I'm rich. I got you for the rest of the night and paid for everything. Wow. That was, like, real cool. What? Just, like, and she didn't say it all I obnoxious. I going to go bad. No, she didn't say it in an obnoxious way. Like, I'm rich. Who do you think? You, like, hey, listen, I got more money than God. You don't need to be buying me drinks, but I'm going to buy all y'all's and your dinner. Dang. She was what real was, cool. What was Queen Latifah's show she, she had? She had, a, like, a sitcom. You remember? Uh, I vaguely do. Vaguely do. But, was I mean, she, she on, can sing. Was, was she on? She wasn't on Living Single, was she? I can't remember, man. I don't remember. Trent's furiously looking it up. Look, you're I'm, just I'm still to pondering you. what happened to I'm your here pen. To tell you, my my philosophy as it applies to Queen Latifah is if Queen Latifah's in a particular movie, it's probably a bad movie. And my wife will hate me for saying that because there's some where she's like, "Oh my God, you're just hating on her because fill in the blank." Dude, come on. I mean, you're trying to be kind. What I, my point? I stand by my original point. Of all of the artists I would have liked to have seen trotted out at the NBA All-Star Game, bring Too Short out. Oh, that would be dope. Right? Let Rob Bass come out and do a little bit. Queen freaking Latifah. Somebody that I don't care to see. And I'm not taking anything away from what she was as a quote-unquote rap pioneer back in the day. Great. Cool. She's moved on. That's not what she does anymore. And my point was, is that these kids, these teenagers and 20-somethings, have no idea who Queen Latifah Dude, was. This, this is the same group that doesn't think Nas is good. I mean, they lose all credibility. Why, with why was Nas not there for All-Star Weekend? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he had plans? Because Ball wasn't there. Yeah, why? Lonzo Ball. Oh, wait a minute. No, let's not do that. That's my point, is that the NBA with these productions, it's like the NHL All-Star Game. They trot out freaking Kid Rock. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, yeah, but you got to give them a little bit of a uh, – uh, I mean, it was the same night as the Grammys, so who else could they get? Everybody that was good. Was hey, that the Grammys? Anybody that was good? <laughs> I'll tell you, something in me just makes me feel like Nas wasn't at the Grammys. 
You know, well, no, I just no, don't think that's Kid Rock. I just Kid don't think Rock that, at the NHL. Oh, okay, gotcha. He was the only one left. I, look, I've never understood the Kid Rock phenomenon at all. Like, I mean, maybe that one song I get, and then he had the little ba, dude from Game, little dude from Game of Thrones running around on ba, stage with a bob a dang da dang diggy diggy diggy. I don't can't even do it. Diggy said, "Up jump the boogie." No, I, I want to be a My cowboy. favorite part is when he comes out and he's like, cow, I'm, my name baby. is Kid, and he holds it, and he's like, rock, rock. I mean, that that's pretty cool, and then that's when I turn the radio off. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you that back the first few albums that came out, Kid Rock, if you listen to those cover to cover, it's pretty good, especially if you want to get hyped, if you want to go tear something up. Well, I got to give it. Then when he started doing duets with Sheryl Crow, it was and he became, you know, a uh, he became what do we even he was bro country before bro country yeah. was the thing mm-hmm. yeah um be careful so what you say about kid rock cuz he could be our next president of the united states okay um, so i'm just telling I'm you i'm in favor of that if the I'm donald okay if the donald can uh, be president i think he opened the floodgates for pretty much everybody all right so donald trump's new opponent and i maybe he's going to run against him in a couple of years is lebron james what is this love affair they've got going on they just can't leave each other alone and kevin durant said at this time your thoughts on the president telling lebron to shut up and go dribble how does anybody feel about that um i'm not one of those that go to athletes or any other entertainer for my political views one way or the other but i do think it's highly insulting to say just shut up and dribble wasn't you know, that the Fox commentary that told him that the woman on Fox? I don't remember, I don't know her name. I think she said to shut up and dribble. But to their point, listen, they're fathers, you know, they're sons, they're they're humans. So anybody can sit there and bash an athlete. Why can't an ash, athlete have a well, political? Here's another way to look at it too. Here's another way to look at it too. When you look at the NBA, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to gotcha. hear you out, but I want to give us some context. Because I've just learned is, over over time I can't over-talk either one of you guys. I've tried, and I can't. I just can't do it. I'm not good enough. good for everybody involved. So here's, the, here, here's what I'm going to tell you, Brandon, because I want to give this context. The statement is that the people make as athletes ought to shut up and just play ball. Okay? And maybe many of us grew up in the Michael Jordan generation where the thought was – I'm going to shut up and get along. And his statement was Republicans and Democrats both buy shoes. Right. And they were disengaged. The NBA has always, especially with black men, been a place where there were political statements made on the regular. And you can track it all the way back to Bill Russell and Bill Russell's resistance during segregation where he had to sleep in a different hotel on the road. Then you fast forward and you look at baseball when it was integrated with Jackie Robinson. Those guys weren't guys that were going to shut up. You go into the 70s with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. World be free. These guys, some of them, you know, really made good sense. Some of them not so much. Bill freaking Walton. Dude, you go back and look at the stuff he was talking back when he was coming out of college. You know, him and Bill Wooden or, or uh, John Wooden and their clashing the heads. This is more back to the norm. And honestly, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and any of the rest of these athletes really aren't saying anything that's out of sync with how millions 
and tens of millions and perhaps even hundreds of millions of Americans feel. So who in this room is the bigger LeBron James fan? You. Okay. So I'm a big fan, but I think, you know, Jim Brown never had a decision. You know what I'm saying? Like he never had anything that was kind of cheesy like on his record. Now he was controversial and stuff like that, but that's – I'm not saying – Everybody complained about Michael Jordan. You bring up the perfect example. Everybody was looking for leadership from him, and he said, well, Republicans buy shoes too. So they're openly saying they want your best athletes to be vocal about social issues because they tend to have the best direct channel to our youth, right? And so I think it is really kind of stupid to tell him to shut up and dribble, but he's also maybe not the best fit of all time. Who is? Um, that's a good question. In this I don't, day and age. That's a really good question. I'm, you know, I'm just kind of, I really don't know. Uh, maybe it's because we get to see every little thing. They're under a microscope. And maybe Jim Brown did have a, a silly thing that he did once. Well, I mean, Jim Brown was making movies while he was playing in the NBA, in the NFL. And, I mean, what you say is silly. I mean, the LeBron James things, to, to give him credit – you know, he used it as a fundraising mechanism for nonprofits in his hometown. Is that silly? I mean, we're in a day and age where Zion Williamson is on the 8 o'clock sports center to announce what college he's going to. I think it's just more in tune with where we're at. And people can knock LeBron James, but there is no disputing that today LeBron James is one of the top three most prominent athletes in America. I don't have a problem with him using his platform to say what he's going to say politically. Folks on one side of the aisle, you I mean, how many actors are going to come out and bump their gums about <coughs> politics? I mean, George Clooney's out there constantly, incessantly. Well, they were all screaming, screaming for Oprah to run for president after the speech she made. Yeah. And, you know, they the want to be involved. Ceremony. And frankly, the 99% Globes. of the people I'm going to listen to are no more informed than these guys are. So, but I think it's a great thing because why? Because of, like you're saying, the high school kids, the the youth of America, who better to come out and start shaping their minds and help them think about we need to make a change. LeBron James is saying this. I want to make an impact. There's no better spokesman right now. Well, unless for you're on the side that says we don't need to make a change, and well, they're th- the ones that are saying shut up and dribble. So well, the- they fired their shot and he's got to continue to do his i think that the reason people look for athletes the superstars for this type of thing is because our news media outlets have gotten so freaking ridiculous what news well i mean i'm talking about all the fake news out (laughs) there like fox is fake news cnn is fake news msnbc all fake news because they're agenda driven and then you so it forces us and as in the masses to go to some other source for, you know, political leadership. Because, I mean, whether or not you like the president or not, you can't argue the fact, fact that he's divisive. You know, and I love that the Dow's probably around 26,000 a day. But I do, I'm a little kind of ashamed of, of us as a country because, you know, it takes like school shootings to bring us all together. I mean, give me a break. Let's talk, I, I don't want to get too far into the politics. Let's talk about school shootings for just a second. 
And and this is sort of you, you might be sitting at home thinking the same thing. Well, LeBron James is talking about politics. Well, now I'm gonna hear Kristen Lambert talk about a little bit of politics too. And if you don't want to listen, fast forward for about five minutes. I've got to say this. Washington, pull your heads out of your asses now. Bump stocks in Las Vegas brought those to the Americans uh, to into the American consciousness. Okay? There is no defense for this mechanism that takes an assault rifle and makes it an automatic weapon and increases the rate of fire. There is no practical use for this other than to try to kill people. In the aftermath of Las Vegas, how many people stepped up and said our thoughts and prayers, this is horrifying, blah, 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 blah. And in the interim, are bump stocks illegal? No. Start there. It's a complex issue, obviously, when we talk about the fact that there are more guns in circulation in America than there are people. Outlawing new guns into the system obviously isn't to work by itself. I'll finish this rant on the other side, I promise. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Chiefsies. That was abrupt. Uh, welcome back to Chiefsies. We have detoured a little bit, but I've got to get this off my chest. I am tired of hearing how complex this issue is with guns in America and these school shootings. And there are even articles out there, you know, in the aftermath of the Florida shooting, there were numbers that came out and said, well, there, are, there have been 18 school shootings in America this year already. Mm-hmm. Well, those numbers probably are inflated And probably that's not an accurate representation. The bottom line, though, is we as Americans have become so accustomed to these mass shootings, we're numb to it. And the school shootings in particular, think back to Columbine and how long that hangover lasted. We were stunned Mm -hmm. that this could have ever happened. And now on an annual basis, we have multiple school shootings. They're in the news for 72 hours, and then we've moved on to the next thing. We're investing an awful lot of energy and resources Americans to keep people of certain skin colors or certain religions from being able to be a part of our society out of some sort of fear that they're going to perpetrate a mass shooting when we've got white school children doing this on a fairly regular basis. And you know what I hate? What do you hate? I hate these rednecks that say, shoot back. I mean, how (laughs) ignorant is that? I just saw something, a Facebook post where a 20-year-old with no ID, what is it, an AR-15? Yes. He, it takes him 25 minutes to buy an AR-15. 
I mean, why do you even need that? Like your point that you made. And here's another place to start. Apply vehicle laws to guns. We need some kind of regulation, obviously. Because, I mean, you have to go through training to be able to drive a vehicle. you got to maintain a license. you got to get that thing checked out, inspected every year. And the maintenance part of it is, is, a, is a great thing. You know, there are folks, and we're, we're looking at these, and in most cases there were warning signs and the rest of that stuff. But I, I don't want to pretend it's simple. There is no magic bullet here. There are no magic words we can say to solve the problem. We live in a country in which there are most likely more guns in circulation than people. Well, the mm-hmm. fact that we don't even know how many guns are in circulation is part of the problem. But to pretend that new gun laws that regulate what you can acquire and what you cannot acquire is going to fix it by itself is foolhardy. But at the same time, to say, well, the cat's out of the bag and we can't do anything about it is foolhardy as well. And the statements, the the mantra from the far right at this point is, well, it's all mental health issues. It's mental health issues. It's mental health issues. We need to just keep track of these people that have mental health issues. Really? Hmm. I thought that the the relationship between a person and their therapist or a doctor was sacred and we're not impinging on people's civil rights. How do you do this? What's the threshold? If I make a threat today and I say, Trent, I'm going to kill you. Does that constitute me making a material threat that out that, that forbids me from owning a weapon? Well, how about this too? I went to a Hurricanes game yesterday. I probably walked by maybe four dogs, sniffing dogs, and then basically got patted down, had to take my hat off as I go into. Now, if, if somebody runs in with a machine gun, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. I get that. But how about some better security at schools? Why don't we have... I love what they're doing here locally where they have the sheriffs at the schools. Why not have like three? You know what I mean? Well, um, how easy is it to get into your kid's school? It's so easy. All you have to do is push a button, they open the door, and boom, I'm in. So and why, that is, why? It's a problem. Why? Lock the doors, have somebody outside. I would be frisked. You could wand me. You could check everything to make sure before I entered that building that I didn't have something. I would have zero issue with that. And in a lot of cases, it's because it's inconvenient. You know, and that starts a school policy. Hey, we need to see ID. We need to screen everybody that comes in. And then over the course of days, people come in and out. It's like, just let them in. What about I, an I age limit that that to buy case. those kind of guns? I mean, would you well, complain hey. if you had to be 25 to purchase one of those guns? No. The problem with that is, is that you've got the, the far left and the far right who are both so terrified to give an inch. You know, the Constitution does guarantee your right to bear arms, depending upon how you interpret that. But that's what it says. But when you start taking away rights, now all of a sudden you you, you have to accept, and I don't want to get this too too deep into this, but the problem is what's guaranteed by the Constitution, all rights are equal. So my right to vote is equal to my right to bear arms. You have to be 16 to drive. You have to be 21 to drink. You have to be 25 to buy an automatic or an assault rifle. Okay. I do do think there's some credence. There is some credence. To when all these laws were written, you had a musket in your hands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I I'm not a gun person, but I have a shotgun that I can take I can take the spring out and put seven shells in. I mean that that to me is like I mean the manufacturers. There's too much leeway with these things. Like you said, this there's there are third um, off market people making guns right now. 
that do all this tricked out stuff that can make the simplest of arms into like highly deadly weapons. Sure they can. But here's the thing that people don't get when it comes to the NRA. The NRA is out there and the NRA is always pointed to as the bad guy. The NRA, I do say that part of their their mission statement is noble, that they're protecting the Second Amendment. Got it. Okay, cool. But it's no more or less noble than any of those other rights, rights watch groups that are out there. Here's the problem, is that people think that, yes, the NRA is driving this train. No, dog. The NRA is just a reward for the ride. Who do you? Th- where do you think the NRA's primary funding I'll, sources come always from? Always look for the money, baby. Follow the money, baby. And people don't even realize they're being manipulated by the NRA on behalf of these gun manufacturers that are international conglomerates making these weapons. Where's their biggest market? The United States of America. If we make more restrictive gun laws, it cuts into their bottom line. And people being misled and corrupted like that are... It's beyond me how people can be so sheepish well, and here's when it comes thing. to this. How about this? Like, how about not selling ACC, selling guns the same place you can get ACC sweatshirt? Like, you know, you go into, I don't want to, I won't mention the sports where you probably can get I was it. in there yesterday. So. And there was an announcement made while I was standing there. Hey, can you come back and open up? Somebody wants to look at handguns. Yeah. Uh, somebody's back here wanting to, uh, can you come out of. The golf section, somebody's wanting to buy a whole arsenal. Can you come back here and help this person? Yes. I mean, it's got to be more. I think we got somebody running for sheriff that uh, it's got to be more qualified people making these transactions. In the too. state like, of North Carolina, if I want to buy liquor, I have to go to the ABC store. Yep. I'm only going to a state controlled operation. Right. But if I want to buy a pistol, I can get one at Walmart. Yeah, that's on, the problem, man. So I think I think Chris Rock said it right in his bit. We don't need gun control. We need bullet control. So what happens if a bullet bullet should cost a thousand five thousand dollars? Well then you're saying rich you people know? rich people can only own. Okay. Un- well guns. no, that's, that's fine. A- but if a bullet costs five thousand dollars, we'll see I'm gonna kill you, but I'm gonna get a second job and save up <laughs> and then you're a dead man. Basically, you know what I mean. It's yeah, not the answer, but but see that that's is a thing. concern. Don't tell that to gun owners, people, because there's a lot of shortage on ammo now, and they feel like that's on purpose. Like Man, that's a real thing. That's you why you have, have all done. these. That's that's why you have all these kits, these reloader kits, yeah. being sold like hotcakes because people are saving their shells and re- doing their own reloads, which can't be safe. Right? You must have done something real wrong because you've got like $50,000 in your ass. <laughs> Look. Hey, I was going to go on vacation. I wasn't trying, to, <laughs> I wasn't trying to, to, to get this far down this road. What I'm telling you is, is that if you're in Washington now as an elected official, if your priority is not coming up with a way to protect our kids while they're in school from a mass shooting, you need to come on home. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I will do whatever I can to elect officials who are sincere about trying to protect our children. These school shootings cut me to the bone. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we've become numb to them as Americans makes me sick to my stomach. But we should never, we live in the greatest country on the planet. The greatest nation in the history of the planet. 
And on a regular basis, we're having dozens and more of our kids shot at school. Do I have to say I love you and then wonder if I'm ever going to see my child again as they get on that school bus? I should never have that thought in my mind. Never. Ever, 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 ever. And of all the things going on in our world, everything else to these American politicians should be secondary. And I mean that in the strongest of terms. Figure it out. And if I have to hear somebody say it's a complex problem one more time, you probably should have been a complex problem solver if you were going to run for office. We didn't send you there to make easy decisions. Fix the stuff or come home. That's how I feel about it. Mic drop here. No, I mean, it can't be a a campaign promise. I mean, we need more... Career politicians, that's a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down to that just really frustrates me. But I know that my oldest goes to high school and they had to lock down her school because they heard gunshots. It turned out to be a nearby hunter. The reason I found out there was a lockdown is five sheriffs went whizzing by me. Why weren't they at least three of those already at the school? We got enough resources. We can protect. You don't have to be able to just push a button to get in a school. And if we can put up enough security measures to make an, an arena, a sports venue safe, then surely we can protect our kids, right? Amen. We'll see you on the other side. we got half an hour to go. No more politics, I promise. We'll dive back into sports. Thanks for hanging out with us. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome back to the final half hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. No Diamond Dave today. I'm surprised he didn't duck in here at some point. Hmm. Must not be any golf this newsworthy going on. Tiger missed the cut, so he didn't want to show up. Yeah, he didn't want to show his face. I got a question for you guys. Sir, yes, sir. If you won Daytona, if you're a car driver, race car driver, and you won Daytona, what would the first thing you would do to to celebrate? Mm. Because Austin Dillon won, and he celebrated by putting the Daytona 500 logo with the word champ on his posterior a tattoo. <laughs> so 
That would actually probably be on my list. So what's going through your mind is like, oh, no, if I cross the checker, the first the first thing that jumps in your mind to get a butt tattoo? No, 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 no. No, that's something he planned a long time ago. If I ever get it. And how many times did he get drunk with his boys and was like, I swear to God. I'm getting that tattoo I'm on getting my that tattoo. I swear. That's not something that was spontaneous. That's something that was planned and that he said. And then when he actually won, he knew I got to follow through. But why on his? On your butt? That's kind of yeah. weird. Because nobody's going to see that. Except your wife. <laughs> I mean, who wants? Uh, I've never been a big, big tattoo guy to begin with. You don't um, have any tattoos, do you? None that you can see. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. No, I don't have Check any tattoos. You know, I, my dad would have killed me during the age. He would have still been able to kill me during the age of which I would have considered a tattoo. Mm. But then I, you make it. Now, if you're into tattoos. That's interesting because I'm a couple years older than you, and I'm going to get more. Okay, cool. I've got a, I've got a few now. I'd have to, like, think about it. But uh, no, I actually have a plan to, to get some more. And in fact, well, I mean, it's infectious, right? Like once you get one, you kind of always want to at least have another one. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, man. There's been times where I've been like, you know, I, I've never wanted to get anything that was bizarre, bananas. I do have one on my forearm and it's funny how times have changed. Um, I actually lost a gig one time as I was working. Um, I used to DJ in mm-hmm. clubs and on the side, I got roped in with this security company that did club security at all these different bars and restaurants. And I used to do that and it was fun um, <laughs> because the people that always want to fight security are the most drunk people in the place. Right. Drunk people don't fight well. Nope. So there were some times where I got to go roadhouse on some people and throw them over <laughs> bars and on top of cars and things like that. It was fun. But I think I've just run into too many horror stories with tattoos. I'm one of my best friends of all time did the proverbial got the girl he was dating tattoo on his inner oh, thigh. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. That's and the kiss of death. If you want to ruin a relationship, that's the surefire way to do it because invariably you're going to end up broken up. And at the time... Red- I actually had my ex-wife's name tattooed on my arm and had to have it covered up. Oh. What'd you get over it? I'll show you. I'll show you after this. Okay, There's so- a bird over top of it at this point. And if you know my ex-wife's name and you look, you can see that it's in there. But it's a good cover-up job. Huh. Um, see, the 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 going movie at the time was Reservoir Dogs, and this dude had Reservoir Dogs on the, his inner thigh. <laughs> and when he was came up to me and another one of his friends, and he was like, "Hey, what do y'all think this looks like?" And we're like, "Bah!" <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. Oh, that's a bad, bad idea. No. See, no. I have I have some things that are meaningful, but they're they're lasting. So. Anyway, but the kiss of death. Yeah, you get somebody else tattooed on you. My, I have a daughter. I have lots of daughters. But my daughter that's about to Man, turn 18, she like the- has actually asked me if I will get a matching tattoo with her. Oh, that's cool. When she turns 18. Yeah, that's what my daughter wants, too. And it's really cool. You know, I'm an Army guy. And one of the things we call people that are close to us is our battle buddy. Mm-hmm. And she's been battle buddy. She's even in my phone as battle buddy. That's what she, that's what she is. Um, she wants to get in type script, like typewriter, battle buddy. Oh, we cool. haven't decided where they're going, and we may not get them in the same place. But she wants to do that at, right after she turns eighteen. Hmm. I'm excited about that. Trent, do me cool. a favor, okay? Make I a- say after she turns eighteen. She just did turn eighteen, but she'll be here in the spring. 
Make me a promise right right here and now. Do not make your kid get a tattoo of Groucho Marx. Okay. I think he's going to get the Chicago Blackhawks. I think they're going to get a Blackhawk logo. Maybe. I was thinking about getting the Blackhawk logo and then a feather with the year uh, every year that they won the Stanley Cup. That's pretty cool. Well, but be care- I- be careful in today's climate. They'll they'll probably go away from that logo at some point. Yeah. That's a that's a dangerous thing too. And that's one of the things I have been looking at doing is the Bengals' official logo at one point was a leaping Bengal, mm-hmm. and I considered getting that leaping Bengal. Well, now they've changed to that tiger stripe B as their official logo, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, but I may get it at some point. I do want to say before I forget because I, you know, I'm old. Um, libations. We will be there Wednesday at six o'clock. Trivia every Wednesday now. And if you listen to the show, we will tease at least one category. I'm going to tease two. Is that okay? There's going to be a blizzard. Yeah. Go for the time you tease. Yeah, yeah, the last time I teased two, there was a blizzard, and we didn't do it. Twice. But I have a Valentine's Day category that is sort of Valentine's history and context. The Valentine's category has a short shelf life. We didn't do that on Valentine's Day. We did two or three Valentine's categories. But I have one left. This is, this is sort of things associated with Valentine's Day. We're going to do that one so I can get it out of my bag. And I also have to do a Winter Olympics category. I have to. Excellent. Now, any questions? Any mm-hmm. feedback? No. You're not going to be there Wednesday, are you, Brandon? I don't believe so. Yeah, boo. Trent, can you make it? I'll have to. Uh, I, you know, I try to, to give the others a chance. You know what I, I'm yeah, saying? I, appreciate like, you I got so many belts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Anna Bernard will be there with me, no doubt. She's my fearless, illustrious, talented, and beautiful assistant. She will be there, fetching up scorecards, doing the scoring, doing all the heavy lifting. While all I do is like, here are your questions, y'all. It's pretty cool. But come on out. We do it at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights at Libations in downtown Sanford. Libations, purveyors of fine wines and craft beers. Um, They've always got cool events going on. And we need to start thinking about our draft night party because I think we should host one there. How do you feel about that? Draft meaning? The NFL draft. It's right around the corner, brother. We're two months away. Well, you and I have talked about maybe doing like some live shows. Yep. Um, I think that'd be a great idea. A great idea. Get right. the people involved. Interactive. Okay. Cool. You and Trent. Oh yeah, definitely. Word. What's the next big pay per view fight that's coming down the pipeline? Well, I know in May is the uh, the rematch, the rematch. of Golovkin. Triple G and uh, Canelo Alvarez. Yeah. Who do you have? Man, after last fight, I was all in on Canelo. So was I. You know, and Triple G really looked real good, and I. Honestly, I thought he won that fight coming out of it. I think most people did. Yeah. I think most people did. I think we did. all did sitting at this room. But, you know, I just have a soft spot for Canelo. I think he's the future. I think he can uh, learn from the last fight and take this one. Yeah, I don't think for boxing fans, I don't think there's a lot of value in Triple G winning. I mean, he's past his prime. There's only so many years he's got left in spotlight. I look for Canelo to come back and, and be a little bit more aggressive. I'd, I'd never seen – He started too late. Like, Yeah. And I, and I say that like it's easier said than done. No, you're, you got, you're absolutely right. Yeah. He just kind of didn't get it ramped up, and that's not what Canelo's known for. And it was almost like, let me make sure Triple G can't knock me out. 
And it that process just took forever before he got rolling. I mean, Triple D G won that hands down. That was probably one of the the biggest controversies that I've seen since like Roy Jones Jr. Because really, Canelo did not start until again. It was just too late. And when he did, it was really exciting. But I guess again, like if you have Triple G basically running you all over the ring like he did in mm-hmm. your face, not even giving you a breather, that's easier said than done. Well, you say that it's the biggest controversy you've ever seen, uh, except that it happened in the same year where Pacquiao got beat by a soup can. Um, <laughs> boxing, like figure skating and all those other events that have to be judged, the NBA slam dunk contest, um, they're broken. you got to find a better way. With technology, you think there's got to be, especially for boxing. I've never Just leave it to the technology. I've never understood in boxing why the scores aren't posted at the end of every round. Put a scoreboard up. So they know. That's right. Have and been, if you're looking. Canelo would be like, listen, i got to kick that's it right. up now. Talk you know, about- these guys are listening to their corners and they're like, well, man, hey, you know, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. I need him to be able to see the scoreboard and be like, oh, it's, it's on. Well, here's the deal. You're talking about making things too complex. Have you ever seen a fight in the schoolyard? Did you ever walk away from one of those going, I think that might have been a tie? No. <laughs> I mean, never. No. I think the one fight I was in was a tie. <laughs> I just, it wasn't I very good. I think the one fight you were in, if you think it was a tie, you probably have <laughs> I'm just saying. Well. That's like playing poker. If you look around and you can't find the sucker, you're, <laughs> you're it. Sucker. Dang. What'd you get in a fight for? So, there was a girl that was the girlfriend of this guy, uh-huh. and I would call her some choice words oh. because she enjoyed being with multiple boys and oh. doing doing certain things to them. And maybe I felt like since she never picked me, that I would call her those names. And that didn't sit well with no. Him. Finally, he uh, so, so how he was a lot shorter than me. He was a lot shorter than me. So so how long did the fight with you and her? last not very long she whooped me (laughs) she whooped me no but he was a lot shorter so i kind of had the reach advantage where i was holding him back and every time he was swinging he was just hitting my shirt that was loose and i actually got to hit him a few times all right but i was bleeding at the end we looked down at his white jeans that he had on and i was like who's bleeding and the whole crowd goes white jeans the whole crowd goes you are trent (laughs) Because he slapped my glasses off and it cut my eyebrow. That was my only fight. What's worse, getting beat up by a guy in white jeans or purple jeans? Hey, this was 1994, 95. White jeans were pretty pretty badass back then. All right, guys. There's no shame shame in getting beat up, man. It's all good. Even if it's by somebody who's like So he beat up a ballerina. Who cares? That's like, you you know, I was a ballerina. He could beat me up shit. I'll tell you the last fight I ever got into, it was going to the rescue of one of my friends. And I come running down the hill. Their fight was over. My my friend was obliterated, got beat to a pulp. And I go and I wrap this guy up and he's going down and I'm slamming him. And all of a sudden he was on top of me. Uh-oh. And all of a sudden I realized because of who his friends were, this was at UNC Chapel Hill, that he was... A wrestler for UNC oh, Chapel God. Hill. Oh, no. Oh. And had it not been for other friends of mine coming down that same hill, <laughs> I would have still been be getting dead. beat up, huh? <laughs> Jeez. All right. So I do want to talk about some college basketball. 
All right. Right now, your one seeds per Joe Lenardi. Virginia, Kansas, Villanova, Xavier. What are your feelings? Kansas. I know. Um, is Lenardi doing stand-up comedy now? I just I don't get what he's seeing in Kansas. You're talking about a team. This is as bad a Kansas team as there's been in a long time. They're in a shootout in the Big 12. They may come out on top. I'm, honestly, even if they were to run the table and win the tournament in the Big 12, I don't see them as a top four team in the country. A one seed for them seems out of the realm of likelihood mm-hmm. at best. Villanova stubbed their toe against Providence, but I think Villanova, unless something, you know, unless the wheels come off and they go out early in the uh, in the conference tournament, I think Villanova's safe. Xavier might be a bit of a surprise for the the public at large. Well, we'll see. I guess by the time this airs, it will have already been the results will begin. But you know, they play Oklahoma and the Rifleman. Speaking of guns, Trayvon Young never saw a shot he doesn't like. So they're ranked 13th last poll I saw, even before the West Virginia uh, win. So if they beat number 23 Oklahoma, that'll put them closer. And going back to like hard to figure out men's basketball right now, everybody else is losing. So if they keep winning and everybody else is losing, like they have been for the last two weeks then maybe they do make it up to a number one seed. But they do not pass the eye test at all. I, the, the team that's not losing is Michigan State. True. They're a number one seed. I agree. I agree 100%, and we'll talk a little bit more about that on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. Got 15 minutes left to go. Thanks for making it this far. Check us out on social media, the Facebook page. We need a little love there. Twitter, you can follow at Cheap Seat Radio. You can follow me at Chris underscore DeLambert. Brandon, I don't even know what your Twitter tag is, dude. It's like Carolina Blue 542. 542. Tell us to tell what what's the significance of 542 again? It's the Pantone for the Carolina, the actual blue for the Carolina. That's yeah. why I know it's the Pantone for the it's color the for what? UNC blue. So wait, if I go into Sherman Williams, I say, "Hey, can I get a can of 542?" Yep. Yep. I can paint my room. That's yep. That works. Huh. Let me ask you guys a question. Interesting. Yeah, right. How Villanova mm-hmm. just read an article that they're the most consistent over a five-year span. How long is it going to take for somebody to try to come and pick off Jay Wright? Because Villanova is one of those teams that have been consistent and had a nice run like in the 80s and, you know, back in the heyday. But 
Would you put them in the top ten programs in college basketball? No, I wouldn't. Top fifteen for the last three maybe years. Top no, no, no. We're, we're, I know what you're going with this. Oh, you're yeah. talking about basketball blue bloods. Yeah. Yep. Um, maybe top fifteen. Maybe top fifteen. Maybe I, I buy that. Definitely top twenty. And the thing with 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 Jay Wright that you got to look at. First of all, I mean, over the last five years, been the most consistent. Has a national championship. Should be poised to make a run at another one here. And Philadelphia has been a sleeping giant for a very long time. Back in the day, Philadelphia was a hotbed for college basketball. And you had all these schools, Temple, LaSalle, Villanova, all crammed into the same metropolitan center. And it was a big deal. And your best team out of Philadelphia was probably going to be pretty good nationally. And that kind of went away. It was Temple. Me growing up, it was Temple with John Chaney. And Temple was never as good as people thought they were either. But, but they you're were right. always nationally Temple was, thought of. They were. And I can remember Temple playing LaSalle and, and you know playing the Crosstown games and the rest of that. But there for a while, the Philly <laughs> scene just sort of fell off. Jay Wright is there in a city that people love to live in, for one. You've got... Plenty of coverage. You've got rich boosters. You're living right in the the center of the world for all intents and purposes. And you've got Philadelphia to recruit from. I don't know that he's in too big a hurry to run off to, you know, Arizona or Kansas. Because that's what it's going to take to get him out of there if he's interested. And, you know, UCLA, um, Kansas, he's, Kentucky. He's from Philly. And the Big East is not as junky as it's not as strong as it used to well, be no, nothing but it's is still as good as the big east used to be yeah it's still a respected conference i i just don't know where he would go what's well, a better job for him well, I mean, well here's the thing about the big east the big east is perfect for him right now yeah because it's not what it used to be with georgetown syracuse pitt yukon those teams killing each other mm-hmm. it's just good enough that winning the big east is a big deal mm-hmm but not so much that you shouldn't go in and compete for a championship every year. It's not a meat grinder like the ACC or like the Big East used to be or the Pac-12 is now. You know, he's got two or three teams each year he's going to have to deal with, but as long as he doesn't get swept by those teams, should be in line to win a Big East championship, and that's a big deal. The fact that he's a Philly guy, maybe that seals it up. You know, Jay Wright's got – 2025, maybe 30 years of coaching left in him if he wants. How old is he? He is. I just had it here. I don't know. I thought you knew. I thought born you in uh, 1961. So 61. He is 56. 56 years old from Churchville, Pennsylvania. He was an assistant coach at Villanova 1987 to 92. Then went to UNLV during the 92 through 94. So his first head coaching job was at Holfstra, and he's been since 2001 Villanova. I mean, he's in a great situation in his hometown. He's getting the recruits. Has he he's really been a, there 16 years? He's been there so long. 2001. That doesn't seem right. But I guess that was the at the core of my question is maybe he is getting the phone calls, but it seems like there's some openings out there that would at least warrant a phone call to this guy. I mean, it's – it's hard to win 
you know, even on watered down Big East, it's hard to win basketball games. You know, well, sure it is. And I mean, you're talking about a guy that I think some people, when you talk in terms of the most accomplished coaches that are out there, the number of active coaches that have a national championship is very small. Mm-hmm. That's not a very big group of folks. Once you get past Roy and Coach K and Tom Izzo and those guys that have multiple national championships, it's onesies and twosies from there, and there's just not very many of them out there. We lost one last year when uh, Fisher retired out at San Diego State. Mm -hmm. People had long since forgotten his Michigan national championship, Steve Fisher. But when he left, I kind of looked at that, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it's 12 or 13 Active coaches that have one. Jim Calhoun retired a couple years ago, took his championships with Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. Retired. (laughs) Yeah, the heat was getting a little hot over there for him in Connecticut. And speaking of another old Big East coach, Jim Boeheim. I'm officially done with Jim Boeheim. Okay, officially. I was looking so (laughs) much – I was looking forward to him coming into the league because out of all the basketball programs, don't think football, of all the basketball programs that could have come – to the ACC, Syracuse was the one, like the flagship. And I was so excited, but then I got to know Jim Beheim. And he is an arrogant, you know, like the things that he said about um, the, the tournament in Greensboro. He's like, oh, yeah, we can, after the game, we can go to eat at an IHOP or an Applebee's or something like that. He's, he's And I thought he would come in. You remember he got thrown out of Cameron Indoor because of the officiating. I was like, that's the kind of fire I want to see. But he is so bitter about the Big East. And I guess I would be too because it even hurt my feelings when Maryland left the league as their you know, original eight, I believe he, they were. But Jim Beheim, dude. And talk about the ACC and what a grind it is. They turned Syracuse into mostly a middle-of-the-row Team. I think Syracuse was doomed to that one way or the other, but I get you with Beheim. Beheim is a different cat. Um, you're talking about that whole New York sort of attitude now in the ACC country, and we're just different people down here. Right. It's a whole different thing. I would have liked to seen UC come down here. Um, Cincinnati would have been interesting as a fit to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, in particular because of the close proximity to Louisville. And the whole Louisville, Ohio State, Cincinnati thing, you can't ever seem to get them all in one place. But Louisville and Cincinnati would have been great for me. But who knows where the – you know, these these bottles haven't stopped spinning yet anyway, and we don't know what the no. landscape's finally going to look at. Um, the number two seeds, according to Lenardi right now, Auburn, Michigan State, Duke, and Purdue. I would venture to say whomever between Michigan State or Purdue – produces a Big Ten champ is going to be a one seed. Yes. I don't think Ohio State or Michigan can come from that far back. I think if one of them wins the Big Big Ten championship, I think you're looking at a two or a three. But I do think if Michigan State or Purdue wins it, they will be a one seed. And of the four teams in that final, in, in the as the one seeds now, Kansas is my first out of that. I don't see how Kansas can be a one. Mm-mm. And for the Big East to have two number one seeds with Villanova and Xavier, that's suspect to me as well because the Big East is not a bad conference. But I don't think it's got enough depth when you start looking at the schedule that Xavier's going to have enough quality wins with having been beat by Villanova twice to be a one seed. That's just how I feel. And they just lost one of the uh, – Auburn did. Lost uh, Anthony Malclamore. 
not that he was setting the world on fire, but they lost him four to six weeks with the tibia. So well, Auburn better enjoy whatever they're going to enjoy right now in terms of basketball because I think it's all coming. Here's, in. here's what's going to happen. Alabama is mysteriously going to become a number one seed, and then they're going to win the, the national championship. Hey, uh, Brandon, are you nervous that Roy – was uh, had they had that story on ESPN? Roy talking about the FBI investigations? No, not at all. So why would they even interview Roy about the FBI investigations? Because we know there's they were asking him about, about thirty programs were, that are under the microscope. They were right asking now. him about Rick Pitino because that's the banners that's com- that's coming down. Like this, there's a book being written. Wait a minute! This- wait a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't 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 just gloss because I think you just broke something. And I wanted I want you to tell the world whether that's speculation or whether you have inside knowledge that Louisville's banner, at least one, is coming down. There's a there is is widely being talked about that a banner is definitely coming down and probably we're gonna know in the next couple of months. See, because I didn't in this article they didn't talk anything about the Louisville stuff. They were specifically well, talking to Roy about this FBI investigation. Right. And I'm sure they're talking to every coach. He's just a uh, high-profile coach that they're talking to, which I understand. But everything that's being described in this report mysteriously matches up with what happened in Louisville. Well, yeah, and my money's on that. I mean, the report is there's 30 programs, and they're most of them are blue chip programs, right? So uh, Arizona being right at the top of the list. Louisville and Arizona are the only ones is kind of foolish. Well, it's funny at this point that you still hear people talk about Louisville. The national media has sort of lost sight of the fact Arizona's in big trouble too. But I think Louisville will get handled in the very near term. Arizona and Auburn fans, get ready because they're coming for you next. I don't have any doubt in my mind that it's going to go badly for you. But we always talked about who's going to be the program that's going to shock us. And, of course, Brandon brings up that he would he would love it and giggle when Duke gets hit with something. Not really. But uh, I think there's there's teams out there that we have no idea yet. And I think it's bigger than are. a Louisville or Arizona program. Of course programs. there are. And, and it's when the bombshell Because nobody hits. would be surprised if Kentucky gets nailed. We all know Louisville, but Arizona, dude, listen, Auburn. I've UCLA said, wouldn't be surprised if they nah, got nailed. UCLA. Frankly, I think we were all surprised if Kentucky didn't get caught up in this. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. You can catch us next week. And in the interim, pay, stay tuned. There may be a special podcast-only beer episode. See you guys. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.